Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And today we're bringing you Jay Ashton from Canada, worldwide brand building specialist, host of the Daily Restaurant Show, Menu Unplug. We're going to learn a lot about that and much, much more. Jay, thanks for joining us here on Corner Booth. <laughs> I always love when I'm on this side of the mic. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's nice to be on this side of the mic with you and to be. I can ask you all the questions. Yeah, I you can, ask. it's always the other way. So yeah, it's it is. I, I've, I've been on. I've been on Jay's shows, and I got to tell you, there's nobody in the industry who is more engaging host, and this show is is amazing. But you know what I want to tell our, our listeners: often we have entrepreneurs, restaurateurs on the show, people who are building brands, and they're they're in the trenches of the business and. And Jay is up there at the 40,000-foot level looking down on the landscape. And today, we're going to talk to him about some of the things he's picking up from all the people he talks to uh, coming from all aspects of the restaurant industry. You know, generally speaking, we always start out just to give our listeners just, you know, a little bit of background on our, our guests. I know, I believe, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, you you come from a, a fine arts background, which doesn't surprise me given the fact. Oh, Yeah that you, you're a creative guy, but you, you came to the restaurant business, you know, skip over the parts you want to skip over. What about the restaurant business was so engaging? Because you can't fake it. You're passionate about this industry. <laughs> you know, it's if, funny. If, or you're the greatest actor I've ever met. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I looked back at this career because I just posted something the other day, just on the journey that I've had so far. And it's been an interesting journey. Like it, it really is. I, you know, I, I see a lot of people out there that get into the industry and they may have owned a restaurant and I have this industry to really, in a way, it kind of saved me in a way. It's really, it's really interesting. You know, I grew up in a house where it was, you know, the typical house that wasn't that great to be a young you know, kid in where it was a little rougher than normal and it was not not physical but it was very uh, you know mind messing house where the family always were screaming at each other it was very a very tough house to be a young kid in but where it all started was then and I always mention that and it's really tough to talk about that but it was that time and then I didn't realize this until one of the gentlemen I work with up here he mentioned it to me and he's like now you know why you love restaurants because of this. And I'll tell you here and why, what, what this is, is restaurants were my savior place that there wasn't any fighting amongst my parents. It was the place that I would go to with them, that it was a time of, because people fight, you know, and you're not around the public, everyone fights and all that stuff. But it was a place that we would go to and we would have dinner together on a Friday night and Saturday. Because back in those days, it was more occasional based or your weekends. It wasn't like today where it's every day almost. And that was our savior. That was my place I'd go to. I would go sit in the booth with them. And, you know, back in those days, it would be such a long t dinner that you'd fall asleep in the booth or you'd curl up in the corner. But it was that, it was that place that there was no fighting. 
It was the place that I could go to and just not have to worry about anything. So I, so I, I didn't realize that until probably a couple of years ago, talking with Matt Rolf and Matt's going, he's been playing with my mind and going, here's what it is. Cause I always could never figure out why I love this industry so much, but it literally saved me. It literally was the place that I felt safe in. So growing up, I started uh, from there, that point on, um, I started at KFC in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. The, uh, the restaurant there, I, I still stay connected with my first boss uh, that got me into this industry. I was 14 years old, rode my bike to my first job interview. I did that through high school. Uh, I've, I've worked in the industry since, and this is my 33 years in this industry. And I got into uh, the different part that I get to do today 20 years ago, where I've dedicated most of my career now not only helping restaurants build their brands or marketing strategies, but also helping them with their business. Um, so I've been dedicating my whole life of this industry of really around helping restaurants and feel like I have to pay homage back because it really saved me as a kid. And I, I, it's in my blood. It, it doesn't get more DNA than that. Um, I've, I've, I've ran restaurants. I've worked with franchises. I, have, uh, I always say I learned more by the restaurant I drove into the ground. And a lot of people always talk about the, the amazing time they've had out there. But, man, did I drive one into the ground very, very, very good. Um, and I learned everything from that time doing, working in that restaurant. Uh, that really helped me today in what I get to do today to help restaurants out. And, uh, and, and it's been a crazy journey. And I, I'm a big believer in the arts. I, I'm a creative but entrepreneurial mindset as well. Um, I love the business side, but I love the creative side as well. And I kind of balance it a little bit between the two. I was like an artist that always wanted to make money. <laughs> so I don't know if that's always artists just want to make art. I was like, well, yeah, but can we sell it for a lot of money? <laughs> um, so that was always kind of the, the, the part of it. But went through you know university and stuff, working in restaurants. Um, it's been in my blood. So I don't know how much more can get into your life than being my – being something that I respect so much. Well, you well, mentioned I, something really interesting there that I think a lot of listeners can touch on to, and that is that the demands of the restaurant business today do uh, do require you to be business-minded. We talk a yeah. lot about that. Control, system, consistency, et cetera, sure. But creative, if you're not having a really good creative strategy to, say, menu, community marketing, other programs, um, then you're just not going to be able to count up, not going to be able to succeed. So I think you're right on point with that as a good combination. And, and something You know the one thing... Go ahead, oh, Jerry. No, just say, the one thing that reached out to me is is just your your early experience as a restaurant as a place where there's civility, and of course for you that was as you know, given your situation at home, that was you know, kind of a, a respite from all that. But you know, I, I follow Canadian politics, and certainly you follow U.S. politics, and there's no shortage of fighting and polarization and division. Yep. And you know, so one of the things that you bring up is that yeah, the restaurant is one of the last bastions of civility where people actually yeah. go and behave themselves. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go on. No, 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 no. I was going to say, you know, I, I um. I agree with you, and I think that's something that's so special that 
you know, today I think sometimes we take for granted going to restaurants. Well, you know, I never do. Or, or those moments where you just sit back and watch this beautiful, these beautiful things happen in restaurants. And I look at through, that's the lens I look through within our industry is just a whole different respect I have for it. So it, it is, um, it is something that we need to, I think, cherish more of. And I think we do, but I think sometimes maybe a little less than we have in the past today. But very, I agree with you. It, it is, it is something that uh, I look, through, I look at it a little bit differently. But it, um, I try to keep my creative mindset. Sometimes the one thing I wanted to mention on that as well, and this may tie into what Chris was saying too, is I see this in a lot of the lectures and stuff I do across the country. In my presentations, I always leave with this one slide. And it says, all the great art in the world that you go and see in galleries or you go and see in museums wasn't created with intent. It was created because we played. They played. Those artists played. Jackson Pollock, Barnum Newman, Andy Warhol, they played in their studios to create amazing pieces of work. And I think today in our industry, we tend to forget about the play side of it. And I think we need to do more of that. And I think we need to do more of that in business. And to and a lot of things come from that. A lot of risks uh, are allowed to for you to do those things because you're playing more within the field. And I think we can learn a lot from that. And that doesn't mean playing physically all the time, uh, which doesn't hurt to dance once in a while in your restaurant. But it means in a sense of just looking things through that mindset of playfulness. And I think we need to do more of that in our business because we can learn a lot. Yeah. And, we, and I, you know, I think we can take more risks. Well, certainly now with the you know competitive atmosphere that we're in and with the post-COVID situation where where everyone is realizing that they they've got to be able to give the guests the convenience that they've gotten used to, um, but yet also with a level of service that they deserve. And so, so I, I guess you've probably got some experiences in there with some clients or presentations you can share. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear your, um, you know, your take on that, but we came out of that with, you know, the need to be uh, more convenient, less labor, do more, more technology, more pickup, more delivery. We got it. But at the same token, though, people are still demanding that social atmosphere that restaurants give them. And there's that personal service that we can't forget about. Um, what kind of experiences have you had with clients that you're working with? And what kind of advice have you been able to give them uh, in that area? You know, I, I think when you look at the what's COVID, I always say, I, sorry for the analogies, but I feel like we are trying to figure out how to dance again. And I always find this, you know, when you first start to dance with someone, um, you step on their toes or you go, oops, sorry. And you try to figure out what that dance is like. I think we're in the back end of that dance to learn how to, to really navigate this since COVID disrupt us. And we had to go refigure out how to do our business again. So a lot of the customers I talk with or people I talk with or restaurateurs I talk with today is really getting to, to refigure that dance refigure their business models, refigure what they're doing going forward. You know, we, we see so many changes right now with AI coming into our industry more and more as the day, probably by as the minute coming into our industry. But it's really critical that we start to look at how do we play this game differently? 
how do we look at an industry differently? Recently, I, I met with an AI expert within our industry, and he predicts in the next five years that most QSRs will be fully automated. And I look at that, and I know a lot of people will be scared by the, that comment or, or frightened, but a lot of people need to embrace that because that when you look at the profit that these restaurants need to make, there really isn't much more unless you can figure out how to reduce cost in food. And I think if you look at the history of food costs <laughs> in the cost of food of goods, typically they're not going to come down. They may come down a little, but they're not typically going to be, wow, look at everything's dirt cheap now. It's not going to be that. So if you look at those profit models of what we're going to forecast or look at for QSRs in the future over the next five years, automation, um, robots, AI are going to be even more important for us to get those profit that we need to generate uh, the ROI that we're looking for off these restaurants. And I think we're going to see that come more and more, maybe not at the scale as a QSR model, into the casual, to the fast casual, definitely fast casual, but into the casual as well. Uh, that we are going to have to figure out that part of the dance. And I think that's going to be very hard for some, but I think the generations that's taking over our industry right now, that that shift over from our generations to this younger generations, that's been that when you say, I, they're like, yeah, when, <laughs> when can we get it? Um, they, I think they'll be able to adapt to it a little bit easier. So it's all, I think at the end will work out. But we definitely are in the end, end part of figuring this dance out right now. And it's we're stepping on toes. We don't know if we should use you know third-party delivery. We don't know what our food costs really should be at right now because it's inflation part. Our labor is driving us crazy. But you know, we, we have all this, it's just a mix. Right? It's hard to predict right now. Well, but- I think you're what where you're taking us though with some of these comments and you know Barry you and I've talked about it before too I think I think you're on the money I think we're we've heard other people say this too I know we're all guessing but but things are moving so fast and right now we are just guessing but we are probably heading towards sort of a severe separation in our industry counter service and quick service are going to be using so much more technology and turning to small footprints and automation Whereas that's going to create the separation where you're going to see the more what we would call traditional hospitality, people and full service, only more in the higher end environments now. Is 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 that kind of what you're telling us? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see that adapt faster. And it's moving at light speed right now into the QS models. I think you're going to see that move even faster. It's picking up faster and faster. Even AI right now, so I've done a lot with AI in a sense of taking evaluations of restaurants, plugging it into AI, looking at what we can do with their menu and, and what the evaluation is of the restaurant based on their, their, their you know, obviously they're trying to sell it, uh, their market price, can we get more out of it? What do we need to do with that? Just by taking their advertising <laughs> and their menu offline and seeing what we can do for that restaurant. It is crazy on the last eight months of how AI has got even more smarter. I can even tell by the prompts that we're dropping into the AI systems. You don't have to prompt it so much. I don't know if that's the right word. You don't have to ask it so much on what you're looking for. It's starting to understand even faster. And the response is getting clearer and they're it's getting it. So whatever we're doing in the industry to feed that that funnel of knowledge into AI, 
we must be doing a lot of it because it's definitely getting smarter in our area. And that's going to be a big part of our business is AI, but different than Google. And one of the, th- and you know, we all are seeing the evolution of this technology, although it's, it's, it seems like it's come out of nowhere. Um, it's been creeping up for 20 years and um, certainly, I, you know, I'm a business school professor. I need to keep up with data analytics, predictive analytics, AI, all that stuff, because I need to integrate that into my own teaching. So I understand it from that perspective. But another question I want to ask for you, because you do talk to a lot of people who are passionate about the restaurant business. And at the end of the day, restaurants are not simply food service. Hospitality at its most elemental description is kindness to strangers. What's your perspective as somebody who talks to a lot of people and is seeing a little bit of the resurgence of on-premises dining because people, you know, maybe missed it during COVID. Where do you see humanity, the humanity aspect of our business fitting into this? Do you ever get concerned that uh, at some level or some part of the industry we're going to lose that and essentially turn restaurants into a very sophisticated vending machine? Hmm. Yeah, well, the great question. I think we're a ways away from that still. But if you look at the recipe that we have right now, it's not really the right ingredients to create that atmosphere and to continue that sustained path within that experience that you get by going out to a restaurant for the experience. Right. I mean, by recipe, you look at the the target audience. Does the target audience really look for the uh, server coming up and having that conversation or explaining what the food is? You know, when you look at that process, that's a slow process of knowing what the knowledge is of that dish. You know, and the, when the person would come up and romanticize the explanation of the product to you to up the value of the product, to create that experience. Today, the target audience is just like, just get it to me. I can read online or I, I've already know the product before I come in. Don't need to repeat it. I just saw it. We're seeing this shift over. So there's an ingredient of this, you know, I guess the soup or this or this outcome of one of the factors that I think are going to also not really look for that experience that maybe we had in the past. Now, we see a lot of restaurants starting to leverage that experience to create the value because we're, we're seeing increases in pricing. We're seeing increasing in a lot of the things that operators are trying to do to generate the return so they can balance those P&Ls. But I really think we're going to see this mixture come into the mix that is going to slowly, slowly dwindle, I would say, that experience as being an important factor of what you're looking for. Now, I'll give you an example. Can I give you an example, Barry? <laughs> so Please. I'm so excited. I love this. So this is what I mean. I did a menu the other day using AI. So I created a menu in Calgary. So I need a menu for Calgary for this restaurant. Here's what I'm looking for. So I created a menu. Then I said, create something different that would cater to the audience that I'm targeting in Calgary, right? That Gen Z, millennial next generation, whatever they call it now. But just look, I need something to target the people with the money in Calgary. They're going to dine out on a regular basis. So I created this menu, but then in the description of the item, you know how we would say like a a steak sandwich, triple A beef or whatever it is, you know, prime beef uh, with side of 
you know, freshly grated uh, hash or, or potatoes or farm fresh potatoes with vegetables or harvest grain vegetables from the harvest. You know, we would romanticize the dish. This switched and it explained what the dish looked like. Okay. So it shifted from the explanation of the dish then to the dish's appearance. Okay. So I asked it, why did you do that? <laughs> right? Like that's, you know, you're getting into like, what are we doing here? This is not, I'm not used to this. So what it's done now is it's looking to the interest of what the end user is looking for. And when you look at that generation that's coming up right now, I don't think they really, it doesn't really matter in a sense to what, you know, it, you know, if, is it a triple A or whatever beef, that's not where the value is. The value is if, can I get a good picture of it for social mm-hmm. to show my status out in the, out in the, out in the space, out to my friends, out to my family to say, I had this amazing dish and this is what it looked like. I'm going to get a good picture of it. So how crazy is that? And I think that's also another one of those ingredients that we're going to get into where we come for uh, come forward towards is do, do is service going to look different in the future? Are we going to need those dining experiences we have today that we cherish? But does the younger generation, does the younger crowd, our target audience say for our businesses, does it really matter to them anymore? And that will be the big question. If there's if history of our industry plays a role in this, um, I would answer that there probably is because we can see, for example, that when the pendulum really goes one way, I mean, I'm going way back to trends now where when we were first, (laughs) you know, think about it. When we were first discovering that going out and eating also needs to be healthier and we were all shaking in our boots we were thinking everyone knows what cholesterol means now. Uh-oh, does that mean red meat's going to yeah. die? Well, it really didn't. Um, well, eating healthier, which, of course, we really do have a much healthier lifestyle, but yet still people are really, really craving the higher degree, more creative, better sweet. We don't just drink coffee now. We drink coffee that's erupting with chocolate and caramel and swirls. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And it's infused with whatever, you know. Anyway, so it's like when we go one way, it also creates a gap for another. Um, and I've been mm. telling people to watch that, too, that I understand that in this last couple of weeks, national chains have been posting, to your point, about how the future 10 years are going to be these smaller, basically online ordering pickup centers, all AI. The models look very interesting. Even some regionals have posted it, from the Whataburgers to the larger ones, McDonald's National uh, point of how the in-house self-service drink bar is really going to be gone in 10 to 15 years because the experience is changing. You're not coming in, you're picking up. I get it. But if history shows us anything, it also means that a lot of our independent listeners might see value in that quick pickup that is all automated with no personal service, still having that small, fresh, built before your eyes, double stack burger. Mm -hmm kind of a thing that isn't going to go away because people might still crave that. Uh, Do you think, or do you think I'm just, I don't know, misreading the tea leaves? No, no, no. I I think, I think it'll take time. Like, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think it's going to take that slow evolution. You know, you look at dining way back, way back, like 1920s, you know, 1910s, 30s and stuff like that. And, And you look at how it took a long time to shift into where we are today. 
on the evolution. I think we're trying to maybe speed it up because we see all this exciting flashiness of tools and toys, but it will take time. I think it will take time, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the farm on, you know, down the road that it does change because it's going to, it's also going to be, I think, economically like an economic factor into it as well. Is that, does it get so pricey that you're just, you know, is the, are we separating, you know, the, the mass right now into two divisions the ones that can afford to dine out tables or do we, are they always going to be the QSR models? You know, and I don't know. I'm starting to even see that within the QSR models is that we're seeing them separate the two, right? If you go to one coffee company and you go to another one, well, there's some tactics they're doing. So it does feel like you're sitting in a restaurant at home and it's a coffee shop, right? So I do think it's going to take time, but there might be, there might be some through that process of that time as we get there, there might be some separation of people that can afford to dine out, right? It's like, you know, or, and people that'll be able to afford to go to QSRs all the time. And then QSRs will probably have to adapt to that as well. One of the things that occurs to me, and, and I think about this because you interview a lot of people and some of the people you talk to, particularly some of these chefs, young chefs are, are dynamic. They, they've, they've got these great stories. Um, they're storytellers, and, and as you are. And then I think about Mr. Beast, Jimmy Donaldson, who, who built this great <laughs> empire. Uh, hamburgers probably as good as hamburgers as anything else out there, but a hamburger is a hamburger. But, you know, I, I deal with Gen, Gen Z kids. I have yep. Gen Z children. I have a son who knew knows everything about Jimmy Donaldson and Mr. Beast. Never had a hamburger <laughs> there, but knew everything about him because he was a magnificent storyteller. And now speaking to you, as I think a pretty good storyteller, do you think that model is with, hey, get an influencer behind my brand and watch it take off regardless of the type of cuisine I've got? Um, what do you think of that comment? <laughs> so two things on that. So Mr. Beast, Jimmy, is I always say he's like he's like I use him in a lot of presentations I, I do as well in a sense of here's a guy that understands what brand is like personal brand and what brand does to a business. So I teach a lot of, a lot of restaurateurs and a lot of chefs out there on how to build a personal brand. And we actually use Jimmy as an example, right? Cause Jimmy wasn't a, he's not a movie star. He's nothing. He's, he's just, he's, he's a talented storyteller. And I look at a lot of these people in our industry and typically we're, we're also a lot of storytellers ourselves. Sometimes we, we're a little bit more crafted. I believe in, some others. And I really believe in our business, we need to look at our brand, our self-brand, our company's brand. And I'm not certain influencers today have the weight like they did maybe the last five years. I'm mm -hmm. seeing more community-based influencer models become more strong than individuals. So that means if I have 10 people telling me it's a phenomenal burger as a group, is stronger than one person saying that it's a great burger. So I really work with restaurants and creating a more of a community-based influencer model, getting everyone on board to talk about that product. Very similar to how Amazon does when you look at review on a product. Usually, question if it's one person, you're looking for a lot of the ones that has like four or five different reviews on those products, then it's more believable in purchasing yeah. that product. So I think when you look at brands, 
collectively stronger when you look at an influencer community model and then instead of a single uh, or an individual influencer. I think with that time might have passed. We might have evolved from there to in more of COVID might have done it as well. We may evolve from there. But I also believe that when you look at brand, we buy by brand. People buy from people buy brands because of what it projects, what it projects you in. So if we look at what we do and all what we do in the restaurant industry, I find that brands are going to be very, very important on the decisions if I eat that restaurant or not. Yeah. Building those brands are easy. It's I find it easy. Maybe others don't. But I find it easy because the best part about building brands today, and we we learned this from Jimmy, is that you have to be it's it's so bizarre, it's so easy. You gotta be yourself. So that's pretty easy. You gotta be authentic. Well, everyone does you, know, you can't you can't you cannot not be authentic online now, right? And then you just have to be okay with making mistakes online. That's it. And then you just have to continue to nourish those if you're using social or using whatever means, don't just stop because you got successful. Continue to nourish that. And I and that's it. And then you get you create a brand, and I tell you, brand creating brand is the number one thing today for our restaurants. I believe is the number one thing. It is almost like that shift on that marketing strategy to now your brand strategy. Yeah. What are you doing to connect with your people? And the, people and the best part is, you just have to now. be yourself. I think you're, yeah. yeah, people are even saying that. I mean, I've been in the industry long enough to remember we used to not even use the word marketing correctly, we called it advertising. Um, <laughs> yes. And then people realize, no, 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 no. It's a marketing program. Advertising is just a part of it. And I think the point that you just made very quickly deserves a little underlining. I think COVID was sort of the gasoline that got thrown on the fire. And and the local community influencers really seem to be the most relied upon strategy now. And marketing has given way to branding. It's your brand. Is it understood? Do we build the brand? I think... You know, Barry, I think in the short term, educators, consultants alike, when we're doing annual planning now, we're not even going to be budgeting under the word, what's your marketing program budget? It's going to be, okay, our branding strategy is going to cost about how much. The vernacular. I love it. But, but and, when you and, think about it, right? It's so strong, though, that, the, the, you know, what I like about brands is that if you create the brand and you create that connection to the end user, there's a little bit more forgiveness, I think, in in understanding what that if you connect with that brand as a consumer, right? And, and and I think it sets you apart from your competition if you really work brand. Sorry, Barry, I interrupted. No, no, not at all. I thank you for that, and and you got me thinking about a lot of things here, and you know, again, our our typical listener, um, reader, member is going to be more uh, that ninety percent of the U.S. restaurant market, which we would call independence, whether they have first unit startup or maybe they're working on their ninth or tenth regional uh, uh, emerging chain, but still entrepreneurs. And we've talked about branding and business for years and years and years. And often we talk about branding. We, you know, the first thing that comes to, to mind is McDonald's or Nike or or Rolex or Mercedes Benz or whatever is large national companies, but. You know, let's talk about that whole process of branding um, for the restaurateur at the corner of uh, Maine and Vine. Um, what does that look like 
for them. We talked to Johnny Caraba not long ago, and and he, here's a guy who came from a, a large chain background and now is developing some concepts, you know, from a more start from a from a uh, more of a, a de novo level. And he's, you know, he he was really um, driving home the importance of the four walls marketing. What's going on inside that restaurant that people want to talk about and come mm. back to? What do, what do what are you learning that you could share with our independent operators about branding? You, I'm sold that it's important, but now how do I translate that to someone who it, it may never or doesn't maybe even want to have a national? Um, uh, visibility. You know, I think it's very great question. I think right now, when you look at how do like for an end operator right now, so you, I, and you may have different verticals. I always say there's different verticals. So you have your social social media vertical. You may have your local community vertical. What am I going to do? Maybe it's the four walls of what you're going to do within your restaurant. I think critical right now, where I'm seeing a lot of people focus on is the vertical for the loyalty programs, right? And I know we, we look at loyalty programs and we think, okay, the, the, the stamp, the card, those, those, those things have been around forever. The loyalty program is also now starting to shift. And what they're really focused on is creating that third place. What's your third place, right? And that third place is, is also, I think, equaling your place for your break from home and work. What's your third place? Um, so I think when you look at operators right now and focusing on how they're going to build their brand or what are those tactics you look at or where are those areas do you work on, I think you're going to have to look at all those almost separately. What's your, what are you doing for your social to create your brand? What are you doing on um, in the community to create those brand, you know, those brand connections to your local community? What are you doing when you're in your four walls that creates a brand awareness. So we're not selling the customers on, but we're creating that experience that equals the brand, maybe in those other verticals. And then what are we doing in our loyalty program to create a third place for your customers to go to? So when they're thinking, when they're leaving their work and they're going home and they're getting their significant other to go out to dine, you need to, I think operators really need to look at where, what does that third place look like? What is that third place? How do you explain to them that when you think about going to dine out or grabbing a coffee, this is your third place? Loyalty programs need to drive in-store traffic today, right? And you see some of the really successful loyalty programs out there. What are they doing? They're through their you know, very subtleness on their apps or when you wake up in the morning, I dare anyone to do this, is you wake up in the morning and go, Hmm, I really need a coffee before I get to work. And if you belong to some of these apps, you'll be surprised how many appear on your phone out of nowhere. So I think we need, and that's driving traffic to their restaurant, foot traffic to their restaurant. And I think we need to look at that as well. There's so many systems, people Google them to get them integrated into their independent operators, into their restaurants. But it is really, when you look at it, I think there's different verticals you have to work on it's, it's a different world, Barry, I tell you. Before, it used to be, okay, you just need your marketing strategy or you just need your social media strategy. Today, we have so many things that are new to our industry that we have to have a plan on or a strategy. Uh, it's a lot of work. But I think right now in brand building, if you look at it in those really, maybe those buckets or those, those pillars, really simplistically, what are you doing to build your brand on social? 
Then what I find a lot of people will do is they'll go and find like a social media expert. I don't recommend that necessarily. If you can learn about it, a lot of people in our industry, because we believe our industry, you're always on stage when you're in your restaurant, have the ability to really be good content creators. Not, not everyone's good in front of a camera not everyone's a content creator. But before you step down that world of paying to do something that you may be able to do, play with it, test it, try it, and see how your content is creating. The best thing that I think that COVID has done is allowed us not to be perfect on social. And I think that is something to look at when you're building your brand out. Um, and then also when you look at your community, what are you doing in the community right now that talks about your brand? And we see that. We, we've been talking about this forever. Are you part of the local you know, charity? Are you, are you supporting different nights? You see some of these restaurants today that are really ramping that up a little bit, getting a little bit more creative, creating more of these, this not just on the holidays, but they're creating this as more of a frequent part of their brand strategy. And I think we need to do more of those as well. Um, but I think there's an opportunity to connect um, to your local community. And, and then also, what's your national community stretch? There might be some of that as well. What are you focusing? So people, I always say when we look at this, do they know you globally? And everyone's like, no. Let's try it. Let, let, let's see how we can do What like things can we do to create your brand globally, right? We know Jimmy globally, right? We know Mr. Beast globally, right? So there's a there's something that comes from that. We always say focus on your local, you know, your surrounding area to drive the traffic in, to drive your sales. But don't forget about being local. You'll be surprised what happens from that as well. Boy, no kidding. You just made me think of uh, a couple of um local examples that I think fit into just exactly what you said. They're utilizing all four steps. They're very active in marketing, but it is a staff engagement kind of thing. Managers are preaching the words that you just mentioned. It doesn't have to be perfect, guys, but it has to be consistent. And staff is engaged in social. The influencers are the ones that are being invited in and involved. and, And it seems like the social influencers are now almost replacing, say, the professional media writers yep. that we were trying to entertain, you know, before. And, and of course, then getting staff all excited about community programs, something they believe in and something they support. I can think of a couple, they may even be listening today, a couple of, <laughs> of our members, you know, that's that I've changed and post-COVID, that's what they're doing. And, you know, and quite frankly, as an observer, uh, I follow them. And their Instagrams and their uh, constant postings, they've got a tremendous amount of followers. And and it's all being staff done. Good for that. Yeah, you, Chris, you know what I think every restaurant needs? I believe, and Barry might shake his head on this, I believe every restaurant needs their own podcast. <laughs> I am not kidding. Here's why. I'll explain now why. Podcast is one of the last frontiers that we believe everything that you hear on in a podcast because you're committing usually 20, 30, 40 minutes, maybe longer with that individual. Yeah. It is one of the last frontiers that we trust and we believe in, in the content that we listen to and we hear, and that includes the ad reads that we integrate sometimes into our podcast. It is one of the frontiers that marketing hasn't, I guess, abused yet, or hopefully they won't, that we we haven't had. We see that on social. So social right now 
is questionable if we believe anything that is on social, right? And that's no one's fault. It's just the evolutional world of what we went through. So when you post something on social, there's a lot of questions that go through our minds in what's posted there. And do we believe that? And that's why video is so strong on social, because usually you can't mess it up unless AI is coming into that mix and it's a different story. But that's why I think video is so powerful when you do social, because it's more believable. We listen to the person. We listen to what they're saying. Right, and there's some tactics you can do in that space. But podcasts, I believe restaurants need podcasts, need to have their own podcast. And here's another thing on that. I'm going to get into this one. So Starbucks has two podcasts. They have an employee podcast and they have the regular podcast. So one, podcast can be a great avenue for back to what you were saying, Chris, on the employee part on social. Why doesn't your employees talk about how great it is to work at the restaurant you have? On a podcast, yeah. interview them. Right, podcasts are so easy to put together. Interview them. I believe we don't have a labor shortage in a way. I believe we have a labor shortage with restaurants that haven't been clever enough to explain how awesome it is to work at the restaurant. Right, Good. we Good tend to point. put it in a put it in a news ad and go well, or in a, online and go, oh, geez, I wonder why we didn't get anyone. So, you know, it sounds fun to work at. The media is killing you. There's every second thing on socials telling you how hard it is to work in a restaurant. Why don't we combat that with employees talking about on a podcast how awesome it is to work here? Because typically it is, right? Yeah. And then I think also when you look at a podcast, you can market stuff internally, indirectly on your podcast as a restaurant. So while they're waiting for their order, you could have a QR code on the table and says, hey, listen to our podcast while you wait for your pizza, right? Learn about our chefs. Have a podcast about your chefs. We want community. We want the connection at a different level. Podcasts will do that. Advertise the vendors you have supporting Pepsi, Coke in your podcast that pays for it. That's a side hustle, by the way. Um, but it's just so there's different ways to look at it. But I think podcasts is one of the last frontiers we have until someone comes out with something right now that we believe that hasn't been abused or changed or tweaked enough that restaurants can do very efficiently. They cost back to what Gary V says. Why don't we use so much of this free advertising channels out there from social to podcasting to tell our stories, to connect with our guests, our customers, our audiences that we want, and we don't use them enough, you know, and they're very, like, I think, honestly, I could go on and on about restaurants on podcasts, but what a great way to say, you know what, why don't you follow us and listen to us? And you put one out once a week, interview your guests, your customers, you want testimonials, talk to one of your customers and how excited, you know, how excited I've done. 1400 shows on our, on our, on our show. We've done 1400 recordings of shows. And I don't recall once someone didn't get excited about being asked to be on a show. They typically go through the moon and you feel like to that whole thing, you feel like a rock star in a way for those few minutes. Someone's wants your opinion. And you think about that with a restaurant and then you tell that customer, share that, share that, or listen to yourself on the on your radio on the way home, or listen to it on your phone, or share that with your your family and friends about being on this restaurant podcast, whatever your restaurant name is. So uh, here's my uh, podcast speech. I love what you're saying, and to the people listening, uh, I mean, Chris Tripley and I are doing a podcast, so certainly you can do this. <laughs> but but connecting, <laughs> I started one too, Barry. Anyone connect, can do connecting it. the dots, and 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 I think Chris, uh, hopefully Chris will be uh, give me the the high sign on this one. You know, the the the, the cool thing about what you're saying is this: um, get your staff 
to get on the podcast and talk about how great it is to work there. You can't fake that stuff. Right. No, people that we, the people we talk to um, who are successful on our the pod, the restaurant tours that are successful when we talk on podcast. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but it always gets down to the same thing. They 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 attribute a lot of their success to their culture, to their teamwork, to the way they treat people. And yeah. if you want to get your staff to get on there and be believable and authentic on a podcast, this is a great place to work. Then you're going to have to have managers and owners that are doing everything to make it a great place to work. And as far as the customers are concerned, I I believe this. And 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 again, Chris, I want you to jump in there because you've been consulting the restaurants for a long time if you got a good team working together your customers are going to have a great time well yeah no no uh-huh. it, it's it's 100 uh on target and you're right people want to stay working where they feel like they belong they belong if they're having fun uh, if they can get other people to work with them who feel like they belong there because they're having fun. It reminds me way back when I was driving down and I know I told you this, you know, Barry, but it was, it's been months now. And, you know, you just drive down a busy street in a major city and you see all of the restaurant signs say the same thing. The, the marquee for the daily special says accepting applications, now hiring, accepting applications. <laughs> and then one obviously must have talked with Jay because then this one sign stood out because it said, Hey, come work here. I'm having a ball sign Sharon. And I thought, there you go. Now that's the sign. Sharon, some waitress just put her sign up there to come work with me. And you know, everyone's going to remember that sign. So it is, it's about the people. Absolutely. And I think, I just think, how fun would it be to sit down and back to that whole thing? Like you create that in fun environment in your restaurant. People want to work there, right? People right. will want to work there. And I think you imagine if you set up and you have, you know, maybe, well, we know we all have a staff booth somewhere in your restaurant and you have one day they come in, you got four mics on there and you got a little recording thing. It costs you next to nothing to put together. You put it up, and next thing you know to your staff, okay, guys, tonight after work, we're going to do an hour podcast about how awesome it is to work here. And you know, Barry, you know too, you probably would have to say, okay, guys, we're out of time because an hour will fly in a second. Absolutely. (laughs) End of night conversations, remember? Oh, my God. We got to convince an operator to do this as basically a a Mm -hmm. proof of concept. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and speaking speaking of how quick that hour would go by and how much fun they would have, I think we have to kind of call it here. Uh, our time is beginning to wrap up, and we have had a ball. I think we're just going to have to do this again because we're running out of time, Jay. But but first, Jay, um, because we didn't get into it as much as I like, you tell folks what you're up to, how to hear what you're doing, how to enjoy. Um, the creative process that you're involved in when you're on the other side of the mic with your guests. Yeah. You know what? I, first of all, just thank you. I, I always get excited, Barry. We, we always have a great time. Uh, <laughs> one day I'll be coming down. Um, you know, I, so you, first of all, you can listen to me on the daily restaurant show, uh, which we're on every podcast channel you can think of out there. Um, the other thing is, I'll just tell you about our shows and stuff like this. We don't run a, a typical podcast. You're not going to get that with me. Uh, we do 
I think this year we're running 12 different kinds of shows on our podcast, meaning we have everything from a marketing show to a cooking show to um, a brand show. We do shows on the road. We do shows um, at events. I'm going to an event t- next week to do interviews at the event on our show. So we're, we're, we try to create the show dynamic differently. I always say we, we try to, we try to play like Oprah <laughs> that you don't know what the show is going to be tomorrow. Um, we do a lot of that. And uh, you can also um, check us out. Uh, we are in the stages, just move over to Sirius XM right now, just to play with Sirius XM a little bit. Nice. Um, we're working on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel as well under Cisco, um, but under it will be under SVK here right away. Um, so we have multiple different areas that we you can listen to us on as well. And then I'm really active on LinkedIn, a lot of. Um, and then I'm under rest, Canada's Restaurant Guy on Instagram as well. I host webinars uh, once a month. Uh, we call Webinar Wednesday. And uh, we tackle some pretty crazy, crazy, uh, awesome content on there as well. Um, but yeah, we're just, you know, I think what I'm up. So for my next thing right now, uh, I'm just working on as I put together. And I think you're part of this as well, Barry, is the first global um, food service and hospitality podcaster association. So we're putting that together where we've combined all the best podcasters like yourselves Chris needs to be a member of that too. I think. Yes, Chris, you got to get on that too, Chris. Is oh, that sure. we put everyone together so we can learn from each other and we can share back to that creating the community. We want to create a community of all podcasters in our industry because we're all doing this. We're all creating the most incredible content to help our industry out and we can learn from each other. Um, so I started that as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've got, I always say, I wish, I wish I, uh, I wish I wasn't have this mind that just keeps moving forward, but, um, and I'll be speaking at a few different events this, this, uh, fall and, uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to do our shows. And then we're launching, uh, the restaurants Canada podcast called menu unplugged. It'll be the first unplugged podcast, meaning that you can make mistakes and it's okay. Um, podcast, uh, and then we're, we're still, we're ripping it off from MTV a little bit too. Um, the first unplugged podcast that'll be once a week with restaurants Canada. And uh, we've got an incredible lineup of shows that we're going to be doing with them once a week as well. So it's a busy, busy world out there, but I tell you, like you said, that hour flew by because I just have a lot of fun. We go back to the whole thing. We just have to play more. Mm-hmm. Well, just, and keep doing it. I mean, you're great at it. Keep doing it. So thank you again so much. Everybody, you've been listening to Jay Ashton. You've been learning from Jay Ashton. Check him out, The Daily Restaurant Show, soon to be Menu Unplugged. Uh, Stay tuned because there'll be more. And uh, so anyway, Jay, thanks again. And for all of you you out there, we hope we can connect real soon on another Corner Booth. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.